Welcome everyone to episode seven. We had another A-lister. Yeah, the A-listers <laughs> continue. Everybody's an A-lister except for us. I've decided except for us. you're at least a B, probably an A, and I'm pushing maybe a C. I, I, I was thinking, would we invite anybody that wasn't an A-lister? Wouldn't that kind of be like defeating <laughs> of the whole purpose? We, I guess we, we brought in a C-lister today <laughs> just to... <laughs> See I what we can only if up. we wanted to feel better about ourselves would I bring a C-lister to feel like somebody was on my level, maybe. Yeah, it's like bringing in a two-star recruit and hope you can coach them up, you know? Hey, uh, lots yeah. of people do it. <laughs> no, just kidding. Anyway, so Jean-Pierre Patron is our guest today. He's a vice president of North American Laboratory Services at NAMSA. But really, the reason we had him on is because he's the editor of the brand new book, Biocompatibility and Performance of Medical Devices. Actually, this is the second edition. The first edition was released in 2012. And so we have a second edition coming out and asked him to come talk to us about it. Exactly. And the more I, you know, looked at the the, the book, even the original edition, it, it's like, you know, I, I guess we could go through chapter by chapter by chapter and there would be like... 50 podcast episodes if we really wanted to but uh. so if we run out of topics uh there we go <laughs> we just we just will read the book live to you on the podcast <laughs> and it's a plethora of a-listers for sure a plethora of a well this is true there is a plethora of a-listers in the book jean-pierre certainly has that circle and, and network of folks that helped him in this book and so we're excited about the launch of the book and Hope you enjoy this discussion with Jean-Pierre. Welcome to Biocompatibility, the first ever podcast focused on the biocompatibility of medical devices. NAMSA is happy to bring Biocompatibility to you, where each episode features leading industry experts and their discussions on biocompatibility challenges. Be sure to visit www.namsa.com for more information and to access all podcasts and transcripts. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of Biocompatibility. Dawn, it happens to be Veterans Day here in the U.S., and we have a special guest with us, and you're in office with him. Yes, I am. Yeah. I think, well, the last time we recorded, you were on site with our guest. This time, it's my turn to be on site with our guest, so... You're the odd person out sitting by yourself staring at walls. I am. I am. I'm just looking at the screens, pretending I can see your faces, and I can't. But welcome, Jean-Pierre Bertrand. I'd like to welcome you to Biocompatibility. Hey, thank you very much. And it's a great opportunity for me to uh, recognize the you know, friendship between Americans and French and be thankful for, for the day as well. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk about a book today. So Jean-Pierre is, is the editor of a new book that's coming out and that probably by the time we launch this episode will already be available. But I'll tell you a little bit about uh, Jean-Pierre and, and then we'll go into discussing you know a little bit more about this book and why we're here today and how we're going to learn more about biocompatibility in, in medical devices. So Jean-Pierre is currently the vice president of our North American Laboratory Services at NAMSA. He's been in the medical device realm for, uh, for many, many years. And I think he joined Biomatech in 96. And Biomatech was a laboratory in Lyon, France that NAMSA acquired several years ago. He's worked as study director and department head and pathologist. And he is a, a DVM 
And so he's he's Dr. Bertrand, and he's been involved in a lot of different things in biocompatibility and medical devices and just has a great background. And we're happy that he kind of jumped over the pond, the big pond, and and moved into the, the U.S. a few years ago to our Northwood, Ohio facility, which is where Don and he are joining us from today. So Jean-Pierre, thank you for, for your, is this your first podcast ever you've been on? Yes, it is. <laughs> Although I, I must say, Sherry, I think we should have both, all three of us flown to Lyon and done this face-to-face in Lyon. That, <laughs> right. that would have been a nice trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we would have had a glass of wine over there. I was going to say possibly with a glass of wine. We do get better after we have a glass of wine, Don and I have learned. Um, <laughs> it's Monday morning, 8.30 a.m., right? <laughs> true. Very true. So, yeah, we uh, with biocompatibility, our, our goal is to really discuss everything biocompatibility medical devices that there is to discuss. And we are several episodes in now, and we have at least 10 listeners that aren't friends or family of Don and I that we're very proud of. And where new topics are coming up. And and one is the book. So in 2012, you were editor of this book, Biocompatibility and Performance of Medical Device. Medical Devices, excuse me. Can you give us a little background on the book and maybe the reason behind doing it maybe in the in the first place? Sure, Sherry. So, you know, 2000, I think in 2010, the uh, Elsevier or Woodhead asked a question uh, uh, is there any um, book in your area that is uh, a leading one? And I looked at that. So, wow, we can't really find any uh, single document or book that provides information on both uh, the safety and performance aspects, non-clinical aspects of uh, medical devices. So we, we started to discuss that end of 2010 and say, well, there's really an opportunity there. There's a need. We, we maybe want to do something. We made the decision end of uh, the year, started, I would say, maybe to work on it for a couple of months when something happened, which was that we went through a quite uh, significant company crisis. We had a, we had a fire and, and it yeah. affected, you know, most, if not all, of our, of our buildings there, our administrative buildings. So facing that, you know, can just think about the, the, the leadership team, everybody, the, the operations, trying to rebuild a company, like relaunch a business. And I had this, this call or email from the publisher a few months later saying, where's the book? You didn't answer our emails. What's going on there? A couple <laughs> things going on. <laughs> yeah. And, wow. Not much, yeah. yeah. No, I just remembered about that book. And I didn't answer, I think, if it was an, e- an email or, or just, just ask for a bit of time. It was a call, but we, I ended coming back home that evening and telling my wife, you know, I'm going to give up maybe because I, I can't do everything. That's, that's too much. And she, she's been very clear. She said, well, you know, I think that when we start something, we finish it and, you know, mm. you'll find out there's a team around and the decision was made. Let's move on. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, a year later, the book was assembled and, and everything. Uh, but uh, the birth of the, of the book or the idea uh, was a bit chaotic. Interesting. Yeah, go ahead, Don. Uh, I was just going to say, I was, you know, because I have a copy of the original version of the book here in front of me. And, you know, there's, I think, 19 chapters, which really doesn't speak about to the number of different topics that are sitting inside the book when you look at them all. I mean, how was there 
obviously it's biocompatibility and performance of devices, but did you reach out to people in industry and ask for topics? Did you come up with topics? Did you have an idea of 19 different chapters with all the topics that were in there that you definitely wanted to address? So the question I asked uh, was, what does the industry and the regulators need to bring or, or keep a device on the market, to bring or to, to keep the existing one there? That relates to safety and performance. And the, and the answer was, well, we need to think about the strategy of building a plan, mm -hmm. of building a small strategy also to, to bring new device to market. We need to think about the quality aspects, regulatory aspects, technical, scientific aspects of not just developing new devices, but also maintaining existing ones, existing ones on the market. Right. If we have, for example, some things that challenges uh, the release of our batch, how do we address that? That might be a safety or a performance question. In, in what, how do the regulations influence uh, these uh, aspects? So going through the chain of things that are necessary to, to move from the ID to the marketed device will really end into this succession of, of uh, 10 to uh, 20 to nearly 20 chapters. So it was not that difficult through the answering this question. But also, of course, some authors have been coming saying, well, you know, I thought about this. And uh, obviously, since um, the first edition, uh, we had a few additional questions that the second edition can answer now. All right. Yeah. So to go along with all the topics that, that we were talking about, um, you know, I, it, it's great to have a lot of topics. But I guess the next important thing is to have people to, to speak to those topics, authors and editors. And, and how are all those people selected for consideration and then, you know, inclusion into the book? Yeah, a great question. I think nothing happens without people, right? And a team approach. Right. Yeah, so it's really a matter of a network, um, a company, business network, personal network, sometimes uh, friends, a lot of friends, a lot of uh, somebody in the network would be uh, very knowledgeable about someone else who could bring these skills there. Uh, the ISO committees at the time have been extremely helpful. Uh, because uh, there's a, a lot of uh, very knowledgeable people and uh, representatives from uh, from the, the different areas that we needed. The needs that essentially were we want to cover not just uh, developing new medical devices, but also manufacturing and batteries for new medical devices or existing medical devices. We want to have representatives from all countries, not only the US, but also Europe and Asia, China, Japan, particularly. And uh, we also need experience, not only from the industry and manufacturing or development, but also from regulatory agencies across the world and standardization committees. For sure. And it, just looking at, at the authors that were selected, you know, there are certainly some familiar names, even for those, not, not necessarily that I recognize all of them, but certainly some of them are people that um, I've worked with outside of NAMSA, presented with done various things in the world of uh, biocompatibility uh, evaluation of devices. So certainly there's some names that are just logical when you see them in, in certain chapters of the book. Small world. It is. It yeah, is. it is. Everyone Very. always says that, how small this world is. And we talk about that. And I think one of the things that I think is is interesting, kind of back to the, the reason behind the book, when we do, you know, the NAMSA training all over the world that we do, one of the things we discuss is you can't go anywhere to university and get, you know, a degree or to get a specialty in the biocompatibility of medical devices. It's kind of 
an afterthought, honestly, in, in a lot of the medical device world. And it previously has, but I think that's changing. That's adjusting as it becomes more and more integral and, you know, having to get it done properly. And it's still fairly a young market when you think about medical device biocompatibility and how young the standards are. But that kind of thing for me just reiterates the the purpose of the book in helping people understand because you can't just go and ask a professor, how do I become an expert in medical device biocompatibility? So I think this book is valuable in that regard. Hey, Sherry, I think you raise a great point. As you know, you mentioned that uh, the industry is still pretty young and, and as it becomes more mature and more global, there's more knowledge there and more rules or state-of-the-art uh, strategies, etc. So teaching, training, documentation becomes probably more critical to, to bring everyone up to speed or to stay up to speed. Exactly. Think, you know, having some of those experiences documented in something like a book on the topic is, is definitely beneficial as well because, I mean, you know, it, collaboratively when, again, whether it's in our training sessions or just in communications with customers, you know, there's so many experiences that we have, that they have, and the more of those that you can get shared when appropriate. And, and, and again, documented at that time in something like a book, you know, certainly a, a good resource to have or a good reference to have as well. No. Yeah. Did, did you have expectations for the book as to how people would use it? Like any expectation that maybe folks would use it in university? Or did you imagine the way people would utilize the book when you first published it in 2012? Sure. One trait of the book we were looking for, uh, first edition and reinforced in the second edition, was uh, it has to be practical. It has to be right. built on examples. Each chapter should be a succession of stories, examples. You know, this happened here, this happened there. And then eventually the reader can, can you know, create his own experience or his own decision or take his own approach reading about these examples. So making it as practical, story-based, example-based as possible was the main goal for the first edition. And I think we were somehow successful, uh, not entirely. So second edition, the directions <laughs> were really clear. Well, you need to, you have a chapter there and we are editing the chapter. You need to replace any theory, any uh, principle by a new example, by something that happened over the, the last six or seven years. Oh, I like that. I think that's, you know, and that's one of the ways that, I mean, <laughs> I certainly was, knew nothing about biocompatibility when I started at NAMSA. And over the years, hearing the stories, hearing the examples, it's an experiential type learning that as I've discussed more and more with customers, I understand more and more, I can go, oh, hey, I've heard this problem before, and I think this is how we solved it. So that's great that, you know, capitalizing on those experiences in the book, it's so valuable. Yeah, and, and I think that that other key aspect is, you know, in terms of the time for an update to the book is everything we do changes so fast, so often. So, you know, it, what might have been a solution in 2012 True. <laughs> certainly might not be an effective solution today for whatever reason, whether it be a standard change or opinion of a regulator changed or the perceived opinion of a regulator changed. So, you know, any of those things makes the topic always, I think, ripe for discussion. Yeah, over the last six, seven years, so much uh, new regulations, especially 
in Asia, in Japan, China, recently yeah. in Europe, mm -hmm. uh, obviously, or new ways to interpret existing regulations, new quality documents that have been updated, like the ISO 17025. So the context is changing. The purpose is the same. We want to bring these new medical devices to market as fast as possible and keep them there. But the context is new somehow, six, seven years later. So what new stories, new examples, new ways of thinking do we have? That was one of the drivers uh, to, to, to move to the second edition. So that was some of, the, some of the things that were discussed when you're like, now, is now the right time for an update? Some of those things were certainly part of that decision process. True. The, you know, first six, seven years is a lot of time. Seven it years, is. You know, so much happens in a fast-paced industry. Yeah, yeah uh, you, you moved from France to the U.S. That's a big change. <laughs> <laughs> so much changes. Well, it was a big change for, not for anyone else than us, but it was a big change, which we enjoyed really, really so much. And your family, I mean, big change, and, and, yeah. Yes, yes, and our family enjoys that very much. It's been uh, one of the uh, great uh, positive changes of the, of the last years for us. But so many more, more important things have been changing. And uh, so a bit of the, the examples were outdated. Again, the regulations, the uh, standards needed to right. be refreshed in a new edition. China has changed a lot from a regulatory and uh, interpretations of the regulatory uh, guidance in China, implementation of GLPs. Some of the Japanese regulations have been evolving as well, or at least the structure and organization of the regulatory agency. Europe, of course, with uh, the new regulations, IVD, in vitro diagnostic and, and medical device in Europe, create quite of a change as well with impacts on, uh, on, on bringing new medical device to market or maintaining the existing ones there. And and rest of the world or the US, it's mostly a matter of giving uh, maybe there's not so well, there's, there's new documents, new standards, but it's really how they are interpreted and the importance we, we accord or, or provide them. So in the ISO series, there's quite a number of recent changes as well. So one example would be how much attention we give to risk assessment and use chemical characterization to forecast, to predict uh, safety aspects and minimize or accelerate the next phases. So this, for example, had to be emphasized into the book. And I think, as I think maybe Sherry, you said earlier, there are so many new examples and stories that have been happening that it was worth gathering them and bringing them into the new edition. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll just take this this brief moment to make an announcement. We are going to be giving away a book to podcast listeners. So I want to just give this URL quickly. I'll give it again later, but www2, that's the number two, dot namsa.com slash free book. And if you go to that part, uh, follow that link, you'll come to a form that you can fill out and you can complete and you can become eligible to receive a book. This is you know, November of 2019. So if you're listening to this in 2024, the book has already been given away. But, um, <laughs> but uh, please, you know, if you are listening to this in current time, we will be giving away a book. And probably I think the time frame is around January when we'll be having the drawing and notifying our winner. Maybe we'll do it on a podcast. Maybe we'll do it on email. Who knows? But do follow that link if you'd like to become eligible to win a book. And this might be the first uh, book that is released, right? <laughs> Excuse me? Uh, th this one, this copy will, could be the first released copy. 
It could be. That is going to be published in, uh, in, uh, in three weeks, right? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we're excited to, to give away a book. I think we're going to be doing some other things at training series to give away books as well, but certainly want to make sure one of our podcast listeners wins a book to celebrate as well. So we've talked a lot about changes, obviously, and we've, we've kind of highlighted a few of those. What are the biggest changes in the book? Are there brand new chapters? Are there brand new authors? Or is it really just the changes as a result of the regulatory changes? So yeah, yeah, one third of the book it's uh it's new, it's entirely new. So eliminating outdated chapters like some of, one of them was on biomaterials that was I think a bit outdated. Bringing entirely new chapters uh, into the book and as an example, strategies to accelerate the development of new medical devices based on quality systems uh, by uh, Jackie Torfin. And her co-author. So new chapters, old chapters eliminated. Uh, the, the rest is really uh, re-looking at the chapter from A to Z, rewriting it. Uh, many of them have been, uh, they have the same title or close title, but they've been rewritten because everything has had changed. For example, the, the chapter on the China uh, regulations for medical devices. The rest is really coming from looking at uh, one trend, a strong trend in the industry, which is the pace is accelerating. Mm. Okay. We want, to, we want to bring everybody, all companies want to bring new devices to market safely. And safely means the risk, the tolerance to risks has decreased. We take, we never took any obvious risk, but the tolerance has even decreased. And the, the economic conditions are such that we, companies don't want to develop products and find out late that two of them are working as well as they, accepted, they, they expected. So there's a, there's a trend towards acceleration. We need to know what works, what doesn't work soon, very soon. So what models can we use in vitro, predictive models, math-based models, toxicology assessment-based models that can accelerate this kind of decision? Uh, once we know we are on track with this device, we want to bring it there to market. Uh, what kind of strategy quality can we use to accelerate and take no risk uh, during audits and approval uh, at, at these different stages? So the broad answer to your question, Sherry, is how can we highlight in this book what can help accelerate the development of medical devices and provide safety to the assessment? We have a, a number of uh, pathologists, uh, and that's an interesting thing involved in the book, in different chapters, but also in one of them at the very end, which is uh, considerations in medical device pathology. So uh, mm. Antoine Alves, Lynn Wonkett from Charles River, and Alan uh, Metz. And uh, they have been, I think, doing a great work. There's a lot of images, there's a lot of different ideas. And you know that these books now, I think, tend to be used mostly as e-books rather than paper copies, right. and, yeah. and which allows to use a chapter only, you know, and, and hey, I, I need only one, one chapter, I don't need all of the book. And this chapter in the first edition was the most successful chapter of the first edition. Very interesting. Hmm. Do you recall, and, you know, I guess this is uh, somewhat of a test of your memory here, but in terms of the medical device regulation, you know, I, that's in the last... Year, even as it relates to biocompatibility, certainly been something that we've been talking about. Obviously, there's a lot of other things in 
MDR that aren't specifically biocompatibility, but is that topic covered to some degree in the in the the upcoming edition of the book? So would you uh, so you're you're thinking about the topic of the how do the changes in regulations impact biocompatibility yes. strategies? Yes, correct. All right. So I'm thinking about two two things. One is GLP interpretations are changing in mm -hmm. different countries, probably led by both um, the US and China. And there's a, there's probably a trend to towards a very strict interpretation of the GLPs. And they, they so this really impacts, I would say, both the design and uh, uh, the performance of, of these essays. It has impact on performance testing as well. There's been some tolerance in the past uh, towards more, you know, open quality systems, not necessarily following strictly the GLPs for these studies. What we've seen recently is, well, there's less tolerance and it has to be not just GLP certified, but also following very strictly the GLPs. So we've been adjusting that in the book, providing clear guidance around these aspects. Because uh, of the, the, the growing strength of the Chinese regulations, because of the, the new regulations in Europe, it has been driving, I'd say, a bit different strategies to biocompatibility or performance assessment level. For example, more and stronger preclinical, non-clinical performance studies to provide information that will be used in the risk assessment or to provide information that will be used to minimize uh, the size, cost, duration of a human clinical investigation. All right. Anything else? Any other questions we have? Or are we going to move on to the funnest part of biocompatibility, two truths and a lie? <laughs> I don't know if, any if anybody else thinks it's fun. I, I think it's fun. <laughs> I mean, as we say, for you and me, just a continual challenge to keep this going. But uh, in terms of two truths and a lie, but it is. I may, I may have one question for you guys. Uh oh. Oh, great. Is that allowed? Is that allowed here? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Turn the tables, fire back. Let's do it. So I'm asking permission. And you said yes. All right. So. <laughs> Where do you take where do you find your inspiration? Where do you find uh, you, you cover a lot of ground, a lot of topic questions, <laughs> but also through the different uh, you know topics uh, that you you bring in these uh, podcasts? Where do you find it? Well, Don and I spend. You know, I'll, I'll I'll answer, and then Go you ahead. tell me if I'm Don and I have spent a lot of time training right all over the world, and we have these conversations about topics, and some of them have been discussed in training and some of them don't make it to training and then just the exposure to customers and their conversations. And so we just start making notes of ideas and thoughts. Something will come up. We'll have a conversation with a customer. It'll be like, oh, we should make that an episode. And then, of course, we have great friends and colleagues in the industry like you do with the book that have said, hey, we this this is kind of fun. We want to join you. So I think there's there's a little bit of that, too, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just the experiences that we've had. And, you know, you sit around and you're maybe just joking about them or occasionally talking about them. And in some cases, I think, well, it's just idle chat. But it turns out that some might, might actually find value in what we're chatting about. And I think some of those that are the right quality, you know, become topics and, and 
yeah, just sharing that those experiences, I think, is part of the inspiration as well. And if somebody picks up and, and has finds value in it, I think it's a, a good thing. And and and, and there's also a, a certain element of keeping in our day to day professional lives and and trying to uh, have a little fun with something that's viewed as you know the work we do every day. But uh, but I certainly think personal opinion, I think there's value to that. And uh, you know our stockpile of 10 listeners and there, there's apparently feedback. <laughs> yeah. We've started receiving emails now of giving us topic ideas and asking us questions. So that will help. I mean, I don't know, maybe in a year we'll be a little, it'll be a little harder for us to come up with ideas, but I hope not as we continue well, to meet more people and have more challenges. Yeah. And, w- and within a year, the way this industry is, the topics that we just talked about, we'll have to talk about again. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, maybe not a book topic, but uh, uh, other topics will, will certainly have to be uh, maybe looked at with a fresh pair of, of eyes um, and, and discussed again. Yeah, it's fun. We, uh, we, we certainly, you know, enjoy it. I think Don and I both have been pleasantly surprised at how much this has, has been a fun endeavor for us. It was a crazy idea I came up with earlier this year and I said, hey, let's try this thing and see what happens. So. I'm a podcast junkie. I listen to a lot of them. So it seemed like something very interesting for us to try. And as long as we keep getting one or two extra listeners of uh, an episode, we'll keep doing it. Great. And, and you know, you, you bring uh, passion to that, I think, because you have this interest for training, training others, training yourself for podcasts. Uh, I've been listening to uh, some of your podcasts and I found, you know, it's really, these people are fun and they have, they enjoy what they do. And uh, it looks like there's some passion, which reflects, by the way, the, the passion that we have, most of us working in this changing industry and yeah. challenging. Yeah. For sure. It's a fun, it's a really fun job. I I love my job and, and this, this is a, a part of it that's fun as well. We did actually, before we started, I did ask training attendees. That was kind of the first subgroup of people I said, hey, if we did a podcast, would you listen to us? And usually after hearing, you know, being at a training a couple of days, they found us somewhat interesting and entertaining. And so they said, yeah, we we would listen. And that gave me enough oomph to to give it a go. So just a few people saying they were interested. It starts like that. Yeah, that's how it starts. One little seed. So, all right, let's jump into two truths and a lie. You know, we should probably draw numbers or something at the beginning of this before to figure out who gets to go first. But who wants to go first today? Okay. I think I went first the last time. So, but it, and it worked out. So, okay. Um, and, you know, I board. guess we should explain the game to the listeners yeah. in case they don't know. So, the game is two truths and a lie. And uh, about our business or our dealings, our life and biocompatibility, medical devices. And so each of us come up with two truths and one lie. And then the other folks uh, on the podcast get a guess which one they think is the lie. And it certainly shows us that sometimes truth is funnier than fiction. So Don, go ahead and give us your two truths and a lie. We'll guess. Exciting. So, so (laughs) you know, I always... To come up with these, I got to get a theme in my head. So my theme this time has is requests that a regulator has asked me. For. <laughs> okay. So these are three examples of requests from regulators who shall rename, who remain nameless. We'll protect um, the innocent. Protect the innocent. But one of these is not true. So here's the first one. 
For a reusable device, regulator asked for cytotox, sensitization, irritation, acute systemic, and material-mediated pyrogen testing on a new device, a fresh device, and cytosensitization and irritation testing on the device after 25 simulated reuses. Okay. That was kind of long. <laughs> okay. So that, that's the first one. Second one. Oh, my. The second one's just as long. But anyway. <laughs> for a device containing an antimicrobial, mm. regulator asked for cytotoxicity testing on the device with and without the active ingredient and for an illusion to test determining the release rate of the antimicrobial as well as an in vivo wound healing study. Oh, goodness. Okay. Notes. Take notes. Yeah, I am. I am. I had to pull out my pen here. You here. got a whiteboard. You can now you have everything packed. So. I do have everything packed. I'm lucky to have a pen and paper. <laughs> and you're internet. You're challenging your brains now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the last one's short. Okay. Um, regulator asked for us to reference a standard that was drafted, but... The FDIS was not even publicly available yet. Wow. Dang, right, Don, well, these are hard. Like, is this one hard? looks like a really? truth. This one looks typical. No. <laughs> I, I vote that it's a truth. The last one. The last one's true. And, which uh, one do you think is the lie, Which one is the lie? Yeah. Which one is not true? There's only one. Yeah. Well, I'm hesitant, of course, between the two first. Uh, <laughs> you know, re, well, doing a lot of... Uh, Kind of um, screening test, toxicity screening test onto a device that has been simulated 25 times looks challenging. Now it's possible, depending on the use of the device. So I would not be surprised that it's the truth. Uh, the other one uh, on the antimicrobial device, so cytotoxicity plus minus the active active compound makes sense. We want to understand where it comes from. It might be acceptable when the active compound is there, but unacceptable without it. Now the uh, the, the wound healing also makes sense. Well, there's no lie. I think there's no lie. <laughs> <laughs> They're all true. <laughs> now, I haven't done that to you yet. Not yet. And, Jerry, you, I'm, you, I'm going with number two is the lie for some reason. I'm just saying number two. I have it really no grounds of... Why? And to Jean Pierre's credit, I think he was questioning number two the most. I, I would so, go with Sherry. Yeah, number two was Sherry. the lie, only because there was no in vivo wound healing study requested. Everything else. Okay. Makes true. sense. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I could see that. And the other ones, I could see happening any day. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll go next. Mine are usually a little easier because I don't have the technicality like stuff. But, you know, they're nonetheless funny. Um, so, number one, I had a customer submit a NAMSA quote to their notified body as proof of their plan of biological evaluation. So, they said, here's our quote. That's our plan. Number two, while discussing Biocomp at a training in Amsterdam, we had a protest unrelated to our training outside of the hotel that stopped our training for two hours. Number three... I have an autographed copy of the first edition of this book with several of the author's autographs. You make it difficult today. <laughs> so the protest, was it in Amsterdam or was it in France? Uh, the, I did say Amsterdam. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guess? 
I think the first one's pretty possible. I will probably not do that, but I know that it happens. And sometimes there's a hope customers that because, you know, there's this, this long list of, of um, actually, hey, we can address safety through that. Uh, it kind of a, presented as a promise that it's going to go well and it's going to do it this way. So uh, it's tempting to say that it's a lie, but I will say that it's a truth. The protests, well, if you had said it was in France, maybe I would have said it's truth, but I would say it's a lie here. And the signatures and autographs, I'd say, okay, let's say it's a truth. John, what do you think? I, I, well, yeah, I agree because I know, I, I know number two. You do know number two. (laughs) So you're right. Number two, your number two is in the lie. It it is the lie. Now it was not in, and it wasn't in Amsterdam and it was not in France, but it was in Brussels and it was rather frightening. And we didn't get delayed for two hours either, but it was, uh, we all of a sudden had lots of loud booms going off and screaming and it was a little disruptive there for a minute or two. Yeah, I, I received the compliment for being able to present through fireworks going on. You did. You did. You just kept talking. That's interesting. That's good. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So then number one, definitely a customer said, our, our notified body asked for the plan, so we gave them your quote. Will that work? And we were like, yeah, no, probably not. It's <laughs> a high-level plan. That's a very high-level plan. So, all right, Jean-Pierre, stump us. All right. First one, think about that. Uh, the, the top regulatory leader, P of regulatory, uh, knocks at the door of our company um, early morning, one day. There is a case. In the case, he has uh, samples of medical devices that are approved, marketed since, since some times already. And he's asking, he's asking that. He's saying, hey, guys, help me assess today, same day, the safety <laughs> of these devices, a particular type of safety of these devices. And the company is, I, I hope, fast and responsive and says yes. And in the evening, the conclusion is, we've been screening the safety on this model there, and this product is lethal. This product can kill. Wow. Number one, all right, number two now. Uh, not, uh, it is not possible to combine evaluation, the evaluation of both biocompatibility and performance in the same test system, in the same study. Okay. Same study. And number three, more than one-third of uh, evaluated medical devices do not meet the performance criteria in preclinical tests. Mm. Interesting. I mean, <sighs> number one is so out there that I got to believe it's true. (laughs) Truth is crazier than fiction, right? So um, I'm going with number two being the lie, because I think we've done that. And I think we can. Yeah, I would have to agree. I got to think number two is the lie. And uh, number three is a little, it's certainly interesting, but certainly believable, I would say. Yeah. Especially knowing where some of these companies start with trying to prove concepts up front. So, yeah, no. yeah, I think number two is the lie. Yeah, you did it. Congratulations. We did it. Number yes. Three is true. Number, <laughs> number one is true. That is <laughs> wild. Is a lie. That is wild. Yeah, I want to hear about number, I want to hear more about number one sometime. That sounds, that's an interesting story. I want to hear that story sometime. If you want. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
thank you both for a, another great episode, I think, of Biocom Chatability. I want to remind our listeners to win a copy of the the new book that's out or should be out now by the time you hear this episode, The Biocompatibility of and Performance of Medical Devices, edited, edited by Jean-Pierre. Go to www.namsa.com slash free book. You can fill out a form there and be entered and eligible to win a free book. So gentlemen, thank you both for your time today. Another great discussion. I think more and more as we do these things, I learned that we could just keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. I don't know that anybody would keep listening, but there's so much to discuss. And I thank you both for your time today. Jean-Pierre, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you, Don. It was a great uh, awakening time. <laughs> First thing in the morning. before. First thing in the morning, Monday. We yeah, jumped yeah, right in. Wow. Yeah. What yeah. a week. All right. Well, thank you all. And uh, remember to go to your favorite podcast store and like our episodes and give us a review and stars and all those types of things. Send Don and I emails however you'd like. You can also send us a direct message on Twitter if you'd like to reach us, LinkedIn. Jean-Pierre, I'll link your LinkedIn to this episode so folks can join up with you if they would like and ask you any questions. And again, thank you all for listening and have a great day. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy Biocom Chatability, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast store. For free resources and material, remember to visit www.namsa.com slash resources slash podcast. 